Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Saul moved into an area of ministry where he was not gifted or called by God to do. Because of that, and of course many other sins in Saul's life, he would lose the kingdom. You see, I can't ever try to be somebody I'm not. I don't want to be somebody I'm not. This is what God's given me to do. And if he calls me to do something else, that's what I'll do. I can't be somebody that I look at and go, man, I'd really like to be that. And then, no, God's called me right here for right now. You may have something you really want to achieve. Even though that takes hard work and dedication, you're keeping your eye on the goal. The priests of the Old Testament had a job, which was to accept and offer sacrifices for the people. These sacrifices made month after month and year after year were to pay the blood debt for their sin. Pastor Mark's teaching today will explain the reason that these sacrifices and those priests couldn't pay the sin debt once and for all, but Jesus could. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, as he continues his message, Jesus, our perfect high priest. When I officiate at the funeral tomorrow, one of the things a pastor frequently does at the end of a service is dust to dust and ashes to ashes. What does that scripture mean that God knows we're dust? Well, he knows that we still have within us, we have a godly nature, but what other kind of nature do we have in us? We have a sinful nature. Anybody aware of that? A couple of you? Okay. Hopefully all of you are. So, what does it mean then to be saved? How can I have a sinful nature? Well, salvation is really a a three-pronged process. In 2 Corinthians, Paul makes this incredible statement. And it's 2 Corinthians 13, finally, brothers, goodbye. And then he goes, aim for perfection. It sounds like Mr. Monk, doesn't he? The perfectionist. Aim for perfection. What does that mean? Well, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm to aim to perfection. Anyone here hit it yet? Anyone even come close to it yet? No. Put your hand up and you haven't come close to it. Not a chance. So the first event of salvation is justified. Just as if I never sinned. We've been saved. If you want to write it behind that, the penalty of sin is paid. When I get saved, the penalty is what? Death. No, I've passed from death into life. And so that's a done deal. It's finished. What step do I move into? And this is why you hear me all the time say to you, salvation is not an event. It's a lifestyle. 
First step is always justification, where the penalty of sin has been taken care of. The second step is this sanctification, set apart for God. The term maybe you and I are probably a little more familiar with would be the term discipleship. This means we are in the process of being saved from the power of sin. That's what Romans chapter 6 and 7 and 8 is all about. Paul says, finally, with God's help, I can say no to sin. Before God lived in me, I couldn't say no to sin. I always gave in. But with God in me, I can say no to sin. So I'm in the process, you're in the process, if you're working with the Holy Spirit, and becoming a disciple, becoming more like Him, getting to the point where we're reaching toward perfection. But, now some of you may have come from a church, and I know that's kind of changing even the churches that used to teach this, that you can arrive to a point in your life, they would teach that you could arrive at a point in your life where you're sanctified, you're set apart, and you never sin again. Well, I never could find anybody who believed that who actually arrived there. You know why? Because you can't. You don't. So many of those churches even have kind of moved away from that. It's still this process. I'm now being saved from the power of sin. Remember what John says. If we say we have no sin, we call God a liar. So we have to be very careful. Well, what's the final stage? By the way, Jill tonight has arrived in the final stage. She's in heaven. And all the rest of our loved ones are in heaven. The final stage is glorification. When I get there... It's not about the penalty of sin. It's not about the power of sin. It's that I'm saved from the presence of sin. In other words, in heaven, there is no more temptation. There is no more sin. My sin nature is all gone. I've been glorified. I'm like Christ. Anybody say amen looking forward to that day? Hallelujah. Not there yet in this process. So that's why we still need a high priest. Because there isn't anybody in this room that is perfect. I sin. You sin. If I can't approach God directly, what do I do? Well, he provided an intermediary, Jesus, at the right hand of the Father. By the way, this is what the verse looks like that tells us when perfection will arise. First John 3, 2. Dear friends... We are already God's children. That's who you and I are. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. And that amen is the Balmer translation. Amen. 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 So, I need, you need, a high priest... Who can intercede for me? Because I can't go to God directly. Well, who in the world is that high priest? His name is Jesus. And that brings up number six. Unlike a human priest, Jesus is approachable 24-7. Look at verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Notice the very first thing. I love this. 
Notice this doesn't read, let us approach the throne of condemnation. Or the throne of judgment. No, it's a throne of what? Say it with me. It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. Remember, Jesus came to the earth and he brought truth and he brought grace. He came and fulfilled the law, which always made me feel terrible because I could never keep the law. Now, quite often when I travel, especially internationally, you'll go into a hotel or whatever. And if you're in a fairly decent hotel somewhere in the world, not like India or whatever, but where I quite often am. But if you go in the decent hotel somewhere in there, if you open the page, it'll tell you a little about, about the hotel and what's happening there. They'll always have this doctor on call 24 seven. That's a good warm feeling because you know, in this, wherever you're at, number one, there's going to be a doctor on call. He's there. He's either on the premises or he's nearby. Number two, he can speak English because that's why they have it. Very difficult to explain to somebody what's wrong with you. If they don't understand English, And so this is a wonderful thing. Notice it says here, in our time of need. Does anybody here know over the next three days when you will need God for one specific thing? No, we don't know because what? We don't know the future. We have no idea. I mean, we always need God. But there's these special times. Well, understand, it's wonderful simply just like this verse says. I can call out in confidence and know that Jesus is listening and he's able to meet my need no matter what it was. I was thinking about that a little bit. The last hurricane we had, the bad one, Linda was in a nursing home working, protecting the patients. I was at home with the dog. Storms coming through. We felt comfortable. I'd ridden through many of them. Then that wind really came from the east. And we had this big roll of sliding doors inside the screen porch. We didn't have any shutters up. And during the night, I'm praying, Jesus, help me. Because I felt I was going to blow the storm windows, sliding doors, right in. I got the dog with me. I tried to get her to pray. She wasn't interested. <laughs> Remember, we're two or three degree together. I'm looking for somebody. <laughs> so I just went to the Lord. And I prayed all night. And he protected us. We had to have the doors fixed and adjusted or whatever later. Of course, now I have storm shutters. Not another storm has come since. Praise God for that. <laughs> I can remember back. I'll be about 1970, 71. We had just moved to Florida. We went back up to Michigan for the holidays. We left this, the suburbs of Detroit that morning. We were about 60 miles south on I-75, and, a, and an ice storm hit the road like that. And you know, always what freezes first is the uh, the bridges. Immediately, my car just went totally out of control. And I'm all over the road. And I look up behind me, and there's another car coming right on my tail. Somehow, God stopped us at the side. They hit us, smash in the back. And three minutes before whatever, Linda took our 
boy who was just a young baby put her on her lap. We don't even know what what reason. Now we know what reason. And I was driving a Volkswagen Fastback. And the engine is in the back. And that car hit us. We had no problem at all. Destroyed the car, basically. That car went down the embankment with all the people. Linda and I got out with the baby, shivering and freezing and fearful. But God protected us. See, we called out instantly. Because I needed him in a time of need. I can remember years later. It's on a Sunday morning. We're getting ready to go to church at Palm Chapel up in Marin Island. My wife says, Stacy's got a fever. So we'd been treating it and praying over. Had her in the bathtub, trying to cool her. Temperature went to 106. She had a seizure. We called out to the Lord. Do you have history with God? You have history with God. Aren't you glad he's available 24-7? He's not on vacation. He's not taking his paid leave time. He didn't leave the office early. He's there. Amen? You see, you didn't have the high priest that way in the Old Testament. He's a man. We have a heavenly father that we can call on through Jesus Christ. Number seven, Jesus is a faithful high priest. We receive mercy for our past sins. And we receive grace to meet our present needs. It's a throne of grace. I got my American Express bill today. And I went, what's up with this? It was like thousands of dollars. And so I got, I began looking and I do all my bills online and pay all my bills basically online. And you have to go do it, put the bill in, you schedule when you're going to do it. Then you got to go to the next page and you got to hit enter. Well, the month before, they'd made a mistake. So I called them. The guy got on the phone, very kind, corrected the mistake. I said, that's fine. I'll send the bill in right now. Got online, bang. Must have gotten interrupted. Never went to the next page and never sent my bill in. So when I got the bill, I had 70 or $68 of interest. And I went, say what? So I got on the phone. I said, I'm a pastor. No, I didn't. <laughs> Give me a break. They probably would definitely wouldn't have probably been grace. I just get on the phone and I said, if you look at my record, I'm never late. We never have any interest. We always pay our bill exactly at the end of the month. We just don't do that. That's been our habit our whole life. So she says, well, let me put you on hold for a moment. About gone about five minutes. She came back and she said, no problem, Mr. Balmer. I've already credited your account for the interest. Hallelujah. Now that's a throne of what? Great. Did I deserve it? No, I was stupid. I didn't go to the second page and do what I was supposed to do. You've been stupid, haven't you? You're laughing like you've never been stupid. I know you better than that already. So that's a throne of grace. We don't deserve it, but God gives it to us. I'm so happy to tell you that God never runs out of forgiveness and he never runs out of grace. It's unlimited. Now, there's a key. I don't receive grace, and I don't receive mercy unless I ask. Notice verse 416 in the New King James. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come boldly. He's our father. People know Old Testament, they never could have done that. They absolutely wouldn't do that. Now, there's a danger. We may not take this privilege as seriously as it is. Hey, God, forgive me. Sorry, I just didn't have time to talk to you. I just blew it yesterday, but I got two phone calls here. God, thanks for forgiving me, and on we go. No, 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 no. That's not boldly. That's ridiculous. You're talking to God here. And so we have to be careful. Boldly doesn't mean without respect. You know, it could be if you were offered tomorrow to fly up to Washington, D.C. to be in the presence of the president, you and I might treat him with more respect, which he should have respect, but more respect than God even. You see, because we're separated from God, sometimes we lose this respect. Let's look at some qualifications for the high priest as we begin chapter 5. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters relating to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Look at verse 4. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. So, First thing, when you look at a qualification of a valid priesthood, a priest was always appointed by God. No priest was really ever self-appointed. And those who God chose, obviously, started with Aaron and all the successors in the tribe of Levi. In the Old Testament, that says that Aaron was chosen specifically by God. That's what took place. Keep your finger right there. Flip back to 1 Samuel for a moment. Could we operate out of the anointing that God gives us? Yes, we can. We can try to be somebody. We're not. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, when you get there, scoot on down to verse 8. King Saul, appointed by God. To be the first king of Israel. But he had problems. He had jealousy. A couple weeks ago I talked to the pastors about that very topic of jealousy. And I talked to them about the principle we talked about two weeks ago on rest. I find people in the ministry quite often that are not at rest. Because they want to be in another position than they are. And I talk to them very seriously about, you're here and you're on staff. We're all a team. We work together. We're all equal. But it could be that sometime you'll become jealous of this position. I could do a better job than that. I know more than that. I can do this. I can do that. That can come from the pastors. That can come from the elders. That can come from you guys. That we are not at rest where God has us. And we try to stretch into an area where God hasn't called us to come. Now we're all equal. And what you see here with Saul is the very thing. Look down at verse 8. Saul waited seven days, the time set by Samuel the prophet. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up a burnt offering. Remember, he's a king. He's not a priest. 
Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, well, I saw that the men were scattering. You did not come at the set time. The Philistines were assembling in Epic Mash. I thought, here's the problem. I thought. See, not God thought. I thought. I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me. Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer burnt offerings. You acted foolishly, Samuel said, and you have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now... Your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Notice the next word, and appointed him, leader of the people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. What appeared to be a valid excuse didn't change the fact that Saul moved into an area of ministry where he was not gifted or called by God to do. Because of that, and of course many other sins in Saul's life, he would lose the kingdom. You see, I can't ever try to be somebody I'm not. I don't want to be somebody I'm not. This is what God's given me to do. And if he calls me to do something else, that's what I'll do. I can't be somebody that I look at and go, man, i really like to be that. And then, No, God's called me right here for right now. I have to be at rest with that. Before I was a pastor, I loved to teach. And I would get to teach when the pastor would go away. And I had to always deal with those things that, well, I'm not the pastor. I really didn't want to ever be the pastor. I just love to teach. And God had a great sense of humor. He says, good, you're going to get a church along with the opportunity to preach. And that's what he did. But see, we're human. We talked about that again in staff today. You guys are the same. You can't operate outside of your appointment or your anointing. Because God's anointing doesn't go with us. We're all equal, but God calls us to different things. Now back to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 4. And this will address something that is huge for all of us guys in ministry. Elders, pastors, all of you that serve in leadership. Verse 4. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God. Just as Aaron was. So the next qualification of a great high priest is a priest must serve with humble authority. The writer stresses humble this privileged position wasn't earned. Didn't have a college degree to do it. It was divine appointment. And with that divine appointment came a responsibility, a dignity, but it also came with the challenge to be humble. Remember, Jesus Christ didn't appoint himself as high priest. He was appointed by God the Father. And all through Jesus' ministry on earth, He was humble. Remember what he would always say? I do nothing except what the Father tells me to do. He was humble. He recognized that authority. Today, Pastor Mark taught you the reason the Jews needed a better high priest than all of the other ones they had. They themselves were sinful. You learned that because all humans are sinful, no one can ever make it to heaven on their own works. You found out more about the character traits that the high priest had and how Jesus had all of them. Plus, he was sinless. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Pastor Mark will be talking about grace in the next installment of his teaching, Jesus, Our Perfect High Priest. You'll hear how grace was bestowed on him by someone and how God does the same to anyone that calls on Jesus for salvation. You'll learn about your need for someone to speak to God on your behalf and how Jesus filled that role for you. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.